This is John Martinka, and I have the pleasure today of interviewing Ted Hoffman, the CEO of Clothworks in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Clothworks designs, manufactures, and distributes fabric primarily for the quilting and crafting industries. The company has been around for 66 years. Uh, Ted has owned it for about uh, 14 or 15 years, and they currently have 18 employees. You can find out more about them at clothworks.com. Ted, thank you for doing this. Thank you very much, John. So let me start out. Uh, this has been an interesting year in 2020. How did the pandemic affect Clothworks and what did you learn? What surprised you? Uh, what are you gonna, what did, or did you do that you're gonna continue doing that maybe you didn't do before? Um, it's a big question. Uh, the, the pandemic, um, you know, was sort of, uh, if you remember back in the, uh, the first part of the, uh, first part of the year was sort of running on a slow boil, right? We heard, heard these, uh, uh, news of this thing happening and, um, we started to see a, a little bit of consternation. Most of our, our production is done in Asia, mostly in Japan and Korea. And um, uh, even though we were the first in the U.S. Uh, here in Seattle to uh, to have an outbreak of any note, um, in Asia they had been dealing with it for a month or so before it, it sort of escalated here in any note. So we started to see a little bit of things uh, going on there. Um, the thing that I had going on at that time that I had been negotiating was a small acquisition of a competitor. They were the, the owner of the business that we had partnered with for a while and had done their, their warehousing and distribution had been, uh, he, he just wanted to retire. And so um, we had been negotiating a deal and uh, ended up uh, signing it mid uh uh, mid-March as uh, the things got a little more ominous. So uh, the, my first re remembrance was, oh my God, what are we doing? Uh, am I going to regret this, writing this big check? You know, it wasn't a, a life-changing check, but it was certainly a, cert a significant amount of money. Um, but we had done our, our due diligence uh, and, and knew that it was a good brand and uh, decided to go forward. And uh, But I'll tell you, I was a lot of sweaty nights uh, uh, thinking about, uh, am, I, am I doing something here that I'm going to regret? It wasn't until a week later that uh, our governor, Jay Inslee, decided to um, basically shut everyone down. And so uh, the first impact of COVID was, all right, here you're faced with a situation beyond your control you haven't planned for, what are you going to do? And um, I just had it in my mind, so kind of remembering back to um, the, the 2008 financial crisis is you have to move quickly. You've got to have a plan, focus on a few things and then just execute. And so when we had uh, really no option to shut down, I, I understood that, um, you know, we, we just not knowing how far uh, the shutdown was going to last, I knew preservation of cash was going to be number one. So uh, we had made the difficult decision, you know, spoke with my wife. She's an integral part of our business here. I'm the CEO, but she's a creative director. So 
she, you know, in a, in a design world, the creative director is super important because that's where your revenue really comes from, people being attracted to what you're designed. Um, so uh, we got together and, and really made the, the painful decision that we had really no other option than to do a furlough. So we really executed on two fronts. One was the furlough of literally all the employees except for our CFO and her AP person. So, you know, within a day, we determined that we just had to go down to bare bones to, um, to, to staunch preemptively any cash outflow. Um, uh, it, it was a, a tough decision. I think when we had that sort of group uh, meeting with everyone, letting them know what, what we were doing, uh, I don't think anyone uh, was happy but they all understood the situation that we were in, um, especially when we, we, we put it in terms of, hey, we've got to, to preserve this, this entity uh, so at the right time, we can get you all back here. Uh, and so everyone left under that uh, expectation um, and uh, uh, you know, eventually we were able to execute on that. Uh, the second thing that we did also going back to the experience going through the uh, previous sort of financial uh, uh, pandemic uh, back in 2008 was uh, preserve cash. Uh, a, a couple of weeks before the actual shutdown, I had gone and set up a bank account unrelated, uh, another business bank account uh, at a different bank that I normally do business with, uh, just as a safekeeping bank. Um, and uh, I had gone and um, uh, basically maxed our credit lines uh, at uh, the two banks that I have credit lines with and took all of those funds and put it into this third bank account. Um, I remember, you know, back in 2008, liquidity and access to that uh, was a very important thing. Um, there were a lot of, of, of companies I remember who ran into problems when they were counting on their lines of credit and the banks had a lot of liquidity problems. They were shutting those things down left, right and center and businesses were harmed, not because of anything that they had done, but they had not uh, secured their cash. So I went and I did that and made sure that I had ready access to something uh, if I ever needed it. Um, so here we are now, sort of end of March, we're all shut down, we're all moved home, so set up your office setup. Uh, and then, um, if you remember, it was, there was a lot of talk about, uh, the, you know, the PPP and the idle loans, uh, and, and in many cases, uh, managing the shutdown was making sure that uh, we paid vendors that we needed to pay uh, very judiciously. Um, and, um, and, and, and figured out how to uh, extend as much as we possibly could. And, and I did that both on my personal side, you know, personal finances and on the business finances. So it was really all hands on deck, meaning just three or four of us all working to make sure that we had cash in one way or another. Um, my full-time job really for the next, you know, month or so while we were in hibernation at home and the business was closed, 
uh, was just uh, working uh, with the banks and figuring out what I could do for PPP and idle. Uh, luckily, I was able to get that application in, although I didn't pull the trigger on that very quickly. Um, you know, it became fairly obvious uh, that uh, this, once we got into it, that this was going to be a longer term thing. And I just felt that uh, the way they were advertising the PPP was, hey, we're going to provide this, these funds for you uh, in order to get your people back to work. And here we were, our governor had prevented us from getting back to work. Uh, so um, I, I held off quite a bit on a, uh, the, the final pushing of the PPP application button uh, till uh, when I had a, a fair bit of confidence that I could actually use it for what uh, the desired effect was. So it took probably eight weeks, at which point, uh, at least for me, you know, I think life is uh, in many cases, 50% luck, right? What you happen to be in, um, uh, you know, I think if there's any big uh, learning here is that there, there's no accounting for, for what you're working, what your business is. I mean, so, so many great businesses in Seattle uh, you know, look at Tom Douglas and his, uh, his restaurant sort of mini empire here. Um, and, uh, you know, one day he's uh, king of the restaurant scene and the next day he's got to basically shut everything down and there's not much of a possibility coming back anytime soon. So um, we were lucky being in the fabric world that everyone now needed a mask. So uh, we sent in a letter to the governor's office and said, hey, we think we should be essential uh, we got a nebulous answer back and we took that as okay and we just started. So uh, at that point, probably uh, seven, eight weeks after our shutdown, uh, we just said, we've got to get going because people need masks and that's what we did. Okay. Uh, and, and, and then it was, um, you know, how do we bring people back? And, uh, and that's what we started to do uh, very judiciously, you know, starting with one person who could help get fabric prepared uh, to get out to folks who wanted it for mass making and then two and then three. And eventually, you know, uh, I think it took about another eight weeks, but within that eight week time frame, we got back to full strength and, uh, and we've been ever since. Okay. So I know you, I know you were back because I was down there, picked up some fabric. You were kind enough to donate to my rotary project in Antigua yep. and saw a couple of your employees. And I'm wondering, what did what did your employees feel about coming back with the safety protocols and worried about COVID, et cetera? And what did you do to keep them safe? It's it's very interesting. Um, the the uh, there's no accounting for people's feelings around any of this. It's certainly been um, if all you do is watch the evening news, you can clearly see how. Uh, panic can set in around the reality of the situation. Um, but, uh, you know, every person has a different situation. Everyone has a different uh, uh, feeling about their own health or what their health is or what their health, their actual health situation is. So we just, as a starting point, just took that as everyone is going to come at this differently. We need to, in a certain, uh, certain way, um, operate that makes everyone feel like we've got a safe place to be. So the first thing that we did is we 
as we started to bring people back is um, made sure that we were complying with um, right the, the masking, the social distancing and carried that through to kind of our office. So we used to have customers who would come and shop the warehouse. We sort of cut all that out. So we only now uh, for, for the local uh, uh, fabric stores that want to come get stuff, they can do that, but they can only pick stuff up at the door. Uh, and the employees, uh, and we're doing it till this day, is we pretty much have a full-time mask policy, uh, except if you're sitting at your workstation. Uh, sort of by chance, you know, we have enough office space here and had in many ways, uh, 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 social pre-distance just because we had some of the space for it already. So our workspaces, for the most part, were quite a ways from each other, either in separate offices or if you're in a big room, they were quite a distance from each other. Um, so we had the policy of if you are um, sitting at your desk, um, you're able to take your mask off and operate sort of without that on. Uh, but if you're getting up, moving around the building or having a team meeting or anything like that, uh, you just need to wear that. Uh, for several folks who had um, health issues, we adopted a, a, uh, a work from home policy. Uh, you know, uh, unlike uh, Microsoft or Amazon, uh, you know, in their, in their corporate functions, we actually have to ship stuff out. So we've got a warehouse, we've got product, it's gotta come in, uh, it's gotta go out. Uh, and so we're not capable of just having everybody be offsite and, and have the business function. Um, but for folks where that was possible, uh, you know, we set up situations and invested in some ad additional IT resources to uh, get, you know, uh, uh, offline access or, uh, or remote access set up and working properly. Um, and so even to this day, um, there's probably half a dozen folks who are in the office two or three days a week, but then at home a couple of days a week um, okay. just to accommodate it. So we've tried to be as accommodating to as many people um, to make sure that everyone feels like, you know, when they do come here, right, even if they are spending some time at home, that they're not walking into a, uh, a, uh, a place that's gonna get them sick or somebody else sick. Ted, I got two more questions. Did you have any supply chain issues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I sort of, they intimated in the beginning, uh, that's kind of how we got a, a bit of a, uh, an idea uh, in, uh, in Japan and Korea that there was gonna be an issue here. Um, for us, uh, kind of what happened is that um, the, the fabric industry is sort of divided into two. One is the big box stores, the Joann's, the Walmarts. They had all their business uh, pretty much done in, in China. Uh, the, the higher end fabric world uh, is not in China, but is mostly in Japan and Korea. Uh, but with COVID, China really got shut down. And so uh, the big box stores uh, moved a lot of their production uh, to the guys in Japan and Korea, and that created a big backlog in our place. So uh, we used to be able to put in orders and you know, six weeks later, it's on a boat to us. Uh, that's effectively doubled or maybe even 
you know, two and a half times, right? So I now have to plan, you know, I can usually put in an order and expect something within two months, uh, you know, that's coming up now on four months. So we quickly had to adopt a different strategy because we do, our, our business is a, about pre-sales. We're, we're kind of like a fashion company. We come out with a fabric range and then we spend the next four to six months pre-selling that with our customers and um, how much we actually uh, manufacture is based upon demand. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're going to sell something there for four to six months, but only have, be able to sell it a month or so and then have to place an order, that's not a lot of good information. So we were able to work uh, through a, a whole different sort of ordering process with our, our, uh, our partners uh, uh, at the mills in, in at least getting a preliminary order into them that is reasonable so they can get on to the, the factory's production schedule um, and, and still deliver things on time. And then some uh, check-in points as we get closer to the actual printing dates where we're able to update the order quantities uh, that represent more likely scenarios. So, uh, so we've been able to, it took a little while, but we've been able to work through a lot of those issues. The challenges with the, the shipping though is still, is still quite dramatic. Uh, the shipping container lines uh, reduced a lot of their, uh, their uh, sea traffic and that uh, spike shipping rates and uh, capacity. So uh, just getting your product on a boat has been an issue. Um, and even at the port here in Seattle, we, still, we had product, uh, just for example, uh, delivered three weeks ago and it's still sitting at the port, not because there's any holdup other than uh, they can't get enough drivers uh, and uh, in time to go and get it over there. So it's it's quite frustrating when uh, our op I look out my window and I see the port. <laughs> I'm that close. So it's not like it's a distance thing. It's just they can't get enough people through there because there's so much stuff trying to come in now. Okay. Final question. What do you see for 2021? Um, well, uh, 2020 started out I think in you know mid-year, I'd say we were upside down probably 40, 45%. Um, so that was sort of mid-year in the whole 40, 45%. We're now, we'll finish the year probably, uh, you know, year over year to 2019 being down maybe six or 7%. So we've made up a lot of of uh, we've made up a lot of problems. Uh, the other thing with the uh, with the supply chain issues, it's it's made a lot of stuff that we had we're going to deliver towards the end of this year sort of pushed into 2021. So we've got really a pretty big backlog uh, uh, of orders that are not getting canceled. People still want the product, uh, and the order book for 2021 is looking really really strong. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a really positive uh, 2021 compared to 2020 uh, uh, in, in a significant way. So I'm really surprised. But, you know, uh, once again, I think that the, the saying for, uh, for 
for working through this pandemic is you're just lucky to be wherever you happen to be. I mean, if you're in an area where your stuff is needed, like fabric, um, you know, in quilting, uh, it's a project, uh, it's a, uh, it's a hobby that uh, people do at home. Where is everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> All of our quilters are at home and they need stuff to do. So uh, they're running through their, their stashes that they've had in their closets and they're figuring out how to go buy it from uh, the internet sites or their local stores that have managed to stay open. Um, so uh, I'm really happy uh, and excited about 2021. That is really good to hear. Ted, thank you. Again, this is Ted Hoffman with Clothworks in Seattle, and you can find out more about them at clothworks.com. And uh, Ted, I wish you a uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey, same to you, John.